Welcome to the Pirate's Eye Podcast, produced by the Seton Hall Alumni Engagement and Philanthropy Department. I'm your host, Bianca Velez, fellow pirate of the class of 2010, and each month I'll be sitting down with an alumnus to chat about their career, their life journey, and the role that Seton Hall played in getting them where they are today, or continues to play. You may have heard of the Great Resignation. Sparked by the pandemic, millions of employees in the U.S. quit their jobs in search of work that aligned with their values, provided better pay, and more flexibility. Many of those, part of the Great Resignation, decided to work for themselves. Today's guest is one of them. Tiffany Knighton, Seton Hall graduate of 2015, decided to make the jump from working in the corporate world to becoming a full-time entrepreneur in 2021. Take a listen to this month's episode to hear how Tiffany leaned into her experience, her skill set, and her plan to make her side hustle, Brand Curators, into her main hustle. Tiffany, I want to welcome you to the Pirate's Eye podcast. Hey, hey, thank you so much for having me. I'm so hyped to be here. No, thank you so much for joining. I personally am very excited because I feel like I'm going to get so much out of today's conversation. When we had our pre-show call a few weeks back, I left feeling quite inspired. I was talking about you for like two days. Well, I I felt really good after it actually too, which is funny because it's just like being able to do these things and do it with people who are like-minded and from the same community, like Seton Hall. I mean, it's like everything I could ever want in one. <laughs> and that's exactly why you're on the show, right? Because <laughs> you, um, of course, are a proud alumna, but because you also have a fascinating pandemic story. For me, it's one that highlights your ingenuity as an entrepreneur. And it also highlights something that I love, which is the way passion for a cause can lead to a purpose. And so I really want to get into all of that with you. Let's get into it. Yes. But first things first, let's talk about your Seton Hall story. Tell me about your pirate days. You're a class of 2015 graduate, right? I am. I. It feels like just yesterday. As a matter of fact, I was just talking with a mentee of mine who is a student at Seton Hall, and she's just about to graduate, and it, it made me so nostalgic. <laughs> I, um, <laughs> I remember visiting the campus for the first time and just finding it very quaint and, you know, being excited to be so close to the city. Uh, I grew up military, so I kind of lived all over the country, but uh, I've been on the East Coast um, for a lot of my life. And when I came up, I just loved, you know, again, the proximity to the city, but then also the fact that it was its own little community. It wasn't in the hustle and bustle, but you could get to it. That's right. pretty much my vibe. <laughs> so besides that, um, you know, I knew I wanted to be in communications. So that definitely helped. Um, I actually have a parent, my dad, who was a public affairs officer and just kind of seeing him do things like, you know, write for the uh, Air Force newspaper and do press junkets and things like that really kind of made me familiar with the field coming in. And so when I saw that they had this really robust communications program and, uh, you know, really great PR people who are at orientation ready to talk. I was pretty much sold just environment, people, and culture. 
I love that. So what were your Seton Hall days like? Paint a picture of your actual experience. Were you like, listen, I'm going to take 15 credits, I'm going to go to class, and then I'm going to chill in my dorm room, or, I, or I'm going to commute? Or were you like, nope, I want to have an incredibly packed schedule, and I want to hardly have time to sleep, and I want to do it all? Oh, I was definitely doing too much. You can go ahead and <laughs> file me under doing too much because that was my that was my entire <laughs> that was my entire Seton Hall. I mean, career. I came to campus uh, in the summertime before the semester even started as a freshman. Nice. Um, you can say I was a little eager, but it actually helped me get acclimated to the campus. So I worked um, in the gym um, for my like work study program, and I was taking a a couple credits and meeting people in the summertime. And then that led me to, you know, going in as a freshman, just kind of knowing the scene already. I always like to be that person that kind of, you know, saw things out first and kind of claimed my territory. Right. And that helped me um, really just be able to like indulge in everything that I wanted to. So I did everything from, you know, because I was in the athletics building, I actually started interning with the athletics marketing program, um, working with the men's and women's basketball teams. I was doing marketing promotions as an intern, which meant that I was either live tweeting on the sidelines or I was running those halftime promotions with like trying to find people to come down to the court and mm -hmm. play the game. So that got me just thrown into, you know, all of the, all of the Seton Hall culture and sports culture in itself. But from that, I, you know, ended up doing everything also from dance team to PRSSA to a few more work study programs, which included working with the public relations and marketing department, which of course was great for my major, but also meant that I was part of a lot of marketing campaigns for the university. So I quickly, quickly became just immersed in everything Seton Hall, which I don't regret at all. But that, you know, that meant that I was constantly not only just taking all the classes and credits that I could, um, but ending up being kind of like a face of the university. Yes, you did. <laughs> yes, you did. So I actually was working at the university um, right around the time that you were graduating or just right after you graduated. Um, I'm now just a volunteer, but I was working at the alumni department and I absolutely remember seeing your you face. Saw me. <laughs> absolutely remember seeing your face on some of our marketing pieces, um, postcards, and I'm sure some of our listeners have received a postcard of some sort that has your image on it. So I love, oh, love, love that. They're still floating around apparently. Like every now and again, I get someone sending me a screenshot and I'm like, <laughs> am I getting my royalties? <laughs> I, I love Seton Hall. So, you know, <laughs> we'll file that under just being a proud pirate. <laughs> I love that. So how do you transition then from graduating Seton Hall to going into the workplace? What, what does that look like for Tiffany? Yeah. So, I mean, because I was doing so much, which, you know, at the end of the day, it, it paid off and it was the reason why I made so many connections I did. Um, you know, I was doing a lot of internships besides the clubs and activities and, you know, so much so that I actually got hired on to do one of my first jobs um, before I graduated. So I actually started working full time in January um, 2015. So that was kind of, you know, it was, I would never, I always give advice to my mentees, like, you know, don't rush the experience. 
But at the same time, you know, it is helpful to kind of get ahead of all the competition when you graduate, right? So I was able to start a role and just learn really quickly what it's like to be an entry level. At the time, I was a social media assistant at MTV Networks, which is now Paramount. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think that Seton Hall really kind of positioned me to be able to try things so that by the time I got into that role, it wasn't as intimidating um, to just, you know, be able to dive right in. I mean, I had done um, a Bateman campaign, which was like the senior capstone, and we kind of had a a beta client, and we had come up with case studies and campaigns and things like that. So I definitely felt prepared, but there's just nothing like actually diving in and doing it. And I think that I at least had the confidence um, after that, but it's a whole different world. So that transition was definitely a lot to be graduating at the same time, but, but worth it. Right. Right. And so then we're looking at, let's say you start your full-time career in 2015 and we're going to get to the point of the pandemic, which is in 2020. So we're only looking at four or so years in the, in the workforce, right. In the corporate world. Um, So what do those four years look like for you before you end up becoming an entrepreneur and, and being on your own? I think you just blew my mind because I don't think I've even looked at it that way. (laughs) (laughs) I feel like those four years have aged me, (laughs) but, um, but yeah, in those four years, I mean, I went from, you know, an assistant level to senior management level. And I think in that time, I really got a chance to keep trying things. People say that you take internships so that you can try different roles, see what you like, but it's the same thing when you get into the workforce. Like I noticed that I, you know, in those four years, I had worked across different industries, like everything from, you know, media and entertainment to nonprofit, um, to events and like a startup and tech. So in all that time, I basically was like a sponge. Like all I would do is just kind of ask, you know, people for informationals, try to get lunches on the calendar, try to do, (laughs) keep doing, I'm I'm always doing the most, right? Like, I just feel like that's (laughs) a a reoccurring theme that I was just constantly trying to um, just see what made sense for me. And I think that by the time we got to 2020, I was feeling like it wasn't necessarily the industries or functions that I was still testing but more so how I'm actually producing in these environments and the people that are surrounding me in these environments. So I was learning a lot about what I liked and didn't like about these corporate spaces. So let's jump into that. What did it look like for you at the start of 2020? What role did you have? What was your work life looking like? What was your work environment looking like? And what led you to then the pandemic happening and you starting to say to yourself, wait a minute, there's an opportunity here for me to create something that is of my own. Yeah, that's a great question. Um, At the beginning of 2020, I was working as a senior manager in uh, communications and events. And at the time, events weren't happening. Mm. And, (laughs) you know, with everything being on lockdown, it, you know, the word pivot comes to mind, which I think 
I wanted to be banned after 2020 just yeah, because there's like a handful of words oh right? my god just like I don't want to hear this anymore <laughs> no more I've, I'm gonna I feel like we were talking about this too like there's so many there's so many to that list and I'm just gonna keep adding but pivot is absolutely number one even though it is the best way to encapsulate like what what we had to do right like we yep. had to figure it out we had to okay this isn't working so now what so mm-hmm. in terms of like problem solving and being challenged sure but in terms of um kind of realizing when you get to an end of a line you know what's next I think at the time doing events and realizing they weren't working and then realizing that the whole structure of how we were functioning wasn't working and I mean like even the commutes and the hours and just how much we're putting into certain things it became really really clear to me that there's just not enough prioritized um, prioritization of wellness or, you know, being able to kind of take a step away from this stuff. I mean, I don't know about you, Bianca, but like a lot of us, I know people I talk to, colleagues, friends say that because we were working from home, it there kind of became that always on, yep. um, hard to put your laptop down, Absolutely, yeah. putting in too many hours um, at work a week and I definitely believe in hard work and being able to produce something that you believe in. But I think that once you start to decline on your own mental health or your own well-being or your own work-life balance, then it just isn't worth it. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think that you're right. A lot of people realize that during the pandemic and we have what's called, you know, mass resignation Mm -hmm. and that, that entire movement of folks that it kind of seems as if everyone was in communication with each other and was like, we're walking out. Right. Like who, there was like a group chat or something. Cause I don't, yeah. I feel like <laughs> it was such a movement. Like, did we all have this snap realization all at once? But especially, I think that everything that I've told you about my beginning in college and my beginning in the workforce, you can tell that I've, I'm kind of like a recovering overachiever. Mm-hmm. I, mm-hmm. I've mm-hmm. always been, you know, in my family, it's always been important to, you know, get good grades and, you know, have great opportunities and, and really, especially as a black woman, really be able to like lead with pride and make your family proud. Right. But yeah. I think there comes a point too, where you can still do all those things and you can still be highly successful without burning out and really sacrificing like your personal life. Mm-hmm. I'm snapping my fingers to finish. Yes. This is why I said I'm going to get so much out of this conversation today. I love, I love this. I love this so much, but you did, you did at the time of the pandemic, you did take on even more. So you're having this, this mega realization, but you decided, you know what? I'm going to actually continue working my job and I'm going to start my own company. So tell me, what was the birth of your company like? And what is, you know, walk us through what is your company? What's the birth of it like? And how did you balance working and doing the creation of, yeah. of what you have now? Oh, man, it's 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 like, I just can't believe how quickly it came together. But to be fair, I mean, I had been freelancing for a while. I don't think it came to me to, you know, do the business full force until Got the it. pandemic. It really, mm-hmm. it really kind of made me, I was in a spot where I was uncomfortable and that discomfort made me think like, okay, well, what next? Um, because, you know, I basically had been 
freelancing since my Viacom days, I always have like a client or two. And what happened was I essentially started to see that there were opportunities to kind of create my own space. I was, you know, not happy where I was. I was kind of hopping around to different workspaces where I was feeling maybe like overlooked for promotions, you know, feeling underpaid in some situations, a lot of situations feeling undervalued even. Mm -hmm. Um, And there was little room for growth at the time. So when I couldn't really find another role that I thought suited all of my best capabilities, I just decided, you know, I'm going to totally lean in. That's another word that we should remove, but (laughs) I'm going to just go ahead and, you know, make this space of my own. So that's when I uh, created, started off with a brand curator. We are now brand curators. We are a creative agency and we cater to founders and entrepreneurs who are in the kind of like emerging startup um, phase of their business. And it was almost hand in hand with the fact that everybody was starting their business in 2020. And I just wanted to be there to support all these incredible women, um, mostly women, our clientele who are just starting these things and they needed help with their branding and their strategy. I love that. I love that. So you're right. I think with the, with the mass resignation and with folks having such a introspective, reflective moment, Folks are deciding, you know what, this is the time, this is the time for me to do my own thing. And you're right there to support them. And so what does that really look like, though? Uh, mm-hmm. When we're talking language of agency, and we're talking language of supporting startup businesses, for folks that are not in the realm of work that you're in, walk us through that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, And by the way, I think another one I was going to say, take the leap might be one (laughs) that is like just another one of those buzzwords. But I mean, it's I've said it so much myself, but it really is a leap. So I guess in terms of what that means, people have taken that jump from saying, you know what, this nine to five or this corporate environment or whatever it was, whatever wasn't serving them isn't for me anymore. I'm going to start a new venture. And when I say support, I really mean a lot of the times as we're, you know, creating something out of thin air, you really want to be able to have that um, community. You really want to build community and you really want to build that authenticity around whatever you're creating. So whether it's a brand or a business product, it's just a matter of being able to kind of have some structure and to kind of have just a foundation that can have people relate to you. So one of the biggest things that I really love to help entrepreneurs with is their personal brand. I think that a lot of the opportunities that I was given is are pretty much based off of my personal brand. And I'll give you an example of that. I think that, you know, when tying it back to even Seton Hall and the fact that I was in, you know, certain clubs and kind of stayed in certain circles or connected with certain alum or, you know, kind of stayed in touch um, with people who are in my space. I definitely made sure that I was continuing to cultivate those relationships, giving back. I've always, you know, stayed in touch with the alumni network, as you can see, mm-hmm. and <laughs> and even have done, you know, programming with the network, like um, even recently did a program with PRSSA and really kind of talking to the, to the youth and these emerging professionals. And 
that's just a small example of cementing myself in a, in a community and, and how it continues to serve me. And so a lot of times when people think about, you know, how I can support them in their business, if you know about, you know, some of the, you know, some of the ways that I have impacted my community or um, have tried to give back to my community, it gives you an idea of, you know, my credibility and my value. And then you might be listening a little bit more when I tell you about what else I can do about how we can, you know, help you with your social strategy or help you, you know, build a influencer program that really helps you connect to your audience. Now you might be listening a little bit more. So I think that the biggest takeaway from support and from what we do is we really want to just help people cultivate community. We really want to get those key messages out there because I think that when you're getting started, you have to speak and amplify your voice from from high platforms um, to even get people's attention with a human first approach. I absolutely love that. And you you just made my mind go like that little emoji when it, their brain explodes. <laughs> oh man, I'm glad it hit for you. <laughs> <laughs> that is how I feel because I really love that you're drawing from this place of community and of humanity first and of human interaction and of personal story before anything else, even though we're talking about businesses, right? Yeah, thank you. It's just, I think about even, you know, a lot of the times when you're connecting with somebody and you want to, you know, people are going to spend money at the end of the day, or people are going to have, you know, services that they need fulfilled and, you know, money's in exchange, but being able to really kind of let somebody in your circle and, and really kind of seeing who they are as a person. I love getting to know people. And I love, you know, if I know Bianca that, you know, you're a creative and I, I know that you are somebody who really likes to connect with your community through music and art and those things really matter. And those things really come to mind first. And I always like to, you know, think of ways that I can support that. And, it's never transactional. I think that people really have to get out of that transactional mindset and just kind of think about um, rising by lifting others and really just kind of like Issa Rae says it, but Issa Rae does this best. I think that she's like, she's like my bestie in my head. Um, (laughs) She is the blueprint. Like Issa is one that definitely likes to connect with people around her And she has done that since she started, you know, Awkward Black Girl and has really put on friends. And, you know, she has people in her circle that are writers. Another one can, you know, does film. Another one does music and sound. So working together and putting your community first, then, you know, everybody eats. And Mm -hmm. I always I always found that to be the best way to do it. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I love that. So paint this picture for me again. It is 2020. We're in the pandemic. You're having a lot of realizations. You already were freelancing. You're deciding to dig a little bit deeper. You're recognizing a need and you create more officially your brand curator's company. What is the moment? Is it a moment that tells you, okay, it's time for me to step away from my full-time corporate world job and give everything I have to brand curators? Yeah, there definitely became a point. I mean, 
I think a lot of people had asked me, you know, are you going to go full time with this? And there was a moment where I'm like, oh, I mean, maybe eventually, but it just didn't seem like something that would happen right away. And until I once again became um, uncomfortable and kind of came to a moment where I said, you know what, that I'm really not finding those opportunities. I'm really not happy with my current situation. And I kind of gave myself an ultimatum where I said, if I give myself a month and in that month, if I feel as though I saved enough, like I have a nice, you know, financial safety blanket, if I feel that I have like networked enough, meaning I feel as though I have a good clientele safety blanket and can freelance a little bit if I need to. Mm -hmm. Um, And then also just feeling that if I am just completely sure, like unless just trying to make sure I wasn't being too impulsive Mm -hmm. um, after those four weeks, then yeah, I'll, I'll submit my resignation. And I swear that after I kind of had, it was like just an ultimatum with myself. Mm-hmm. Um, I would say within two weeks, I knew for sure that I wanted to go full-time with the business. Wow. I think that the reason why too, Bianca, is because everything started to align once I made that decision. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The universe was telling me like, yeah, you got this, mm-hmm. Go, you know, go ahead. And mm-hmm. I was like, wow, I'm really about to do this. So I submitted my resignation. Um, I did the rite of passage that I, you know, is becoming this like coin term where I posted a quit talk. <laughs> Mind you, this was again, after formally and professionally resigning. And then after I left the company, mm-hmm. posted a quit talk saying that, you know, I did it. And um, I was amongst, a, you know, a, I guess a good group of millennials and Gen Z's who were doing the same thing. And it actually got picked up in the New York Times and became um, I became part of that quit talk movement, which right. definitely helped propel um, some visibility for the business. That is awesome. So, how is the business doing? So, how has it grown since that time? And what was that time frame when you when you officially resigned? Yeah, I officially resigned at the very beginning of September, and now we're about to be in April tomorrow. Um, by the time yeah, at the time of recording this. Right. So now it's crazy, the growth that we've had. I mean, I started off with, you know, I took my clients that I had with me um, when I first started, we've extended contracts, and then I've also gotten new clients along the way. We've also grown our team significantly. So I've doubled my team, which has been super helpful as we scale. And we actually have just gone into a rebrand phase as well. So we just launched a new website and a whole slew of new services, um, including influencer management now. So we're representing talent, um, creator talent, and helping them get casted for campaigns, especially campaigns that cater to um, BIPOC communities. Right. So when we when we chatted before actually doing this recording, something was coming across to me in the way that you were talking about your business and the work that you do now as sounding almost mission driven. Is that an accurate takeaway? Yeah, absolutely. Um, and that's one of the biggest reasons why I wanted to start the agency um, on an official note, um, rather than just, you know, kind of having it be a side hustle. I really wanted to create an environment that is, you know, social impact driven and in a space that really values 
um, not only amplifying diverse voices and, and really supporting um, black and brown communities, um, but also all of the, you know, social impact issues that affect those communities. Mm-hmm. And on top of that, I mean, mental health and wellness is a huge one. And so the work environment that we're trying to foster definitely puts that to the forefront. Like, you know, nobody should be working crazy hours and nobody should be feeling like they have to over achieve and overperform. We really want everyone to be able to, you know, kind of find their place um, on the team. And then also when it comes to our clientele, just being able to support um, communities that are really underrepresented. I love that. So if I'm listening to this and I am starting a business, I'm a startup and I'm hearing Tiffany Knighton talk about brand curators, how do I know if I'm the right fit to reach out? to you for services and how do we find out about those services? Yes. Okay. Well, I would definitely say, you know, I'll, you know, I'll start with this, Bianca, the fact that, you know, the whole great resignation topic um, really had a lot of, you know, great uh, visibility and, and a lot of great conversations came from it. And there was a bit of backlash as well. And I just want to address the fact that some of the conversations were around, well, you know, you're posting this quit talk and what if you want to come back into the corporate world and like people don't want you back. Mm -hmm. And I want to address that because I think it actually comes down to your character. And I think that anybody who aligns with the fact that um, you know, mental health and well-being should be towards the forefront and being able to prioritize um, wellness and inclusivity, then, you know, if you're not aligned with that, then maybe we aren't a good fit. But mm-hmm. I would say that if you are aligned with that and you want to work with a company that values their employees and then also puts community first rather than, um, you know, just kind of transactional sales, then that's definitely something that, you know, we value. We're an inclusive, collaborative environment. It's the environment that I've always wanted and a lot of people have been looking for. So I hope that, you know, we continue to be that. Um, And if you want to work with us, we've just launched our new website. We are brandcurators.co. And we have services open, everything from, you know, coaching and brand intensives to strategic consulting, um, and then also, you know, creative and social media services. So we create custom packages and we work with brands and businesses of all sizes. So we've worked with small businesses and we know that small businesses um, have small business budgets. So we try to come up with packages that are um, emerging brand friendly. Um, And then also, you know, people who need a little extra support, then we have the manpower to do that too. So that is where you can find us. Yeah, absolutely. And we're going to add that into the show notes. Um, So thank you for, thank you for setting the stage though, of, of who you are looking to work with, right? Uh, Regardless of whether it's through brand curators or, you know, to that question that they asked you of what if you want to go back into the corporate world and you stand firm in where you are seated and you're saying, no, it's fine. Because if you align yourself with what I align myself with, then we should have no problem. And I I love that. 
Thank you. I couldn't uh, say it better than that. I think it's really like we won't have any issues if we're on the same page. And I only want to work with people who are aligned towards the same goals, which is why I love being able to come back and work with, you know, Seton Hall and you and, and chat about these things. So thank you for even giving me the space. Oh, absolutely. And thank you for all that you do, which is another thing I wanted to touch touch upon is you are busy, <laughs> right? And we've, we've heard your story. You're always busy. You've always been this kind of busy bee and you fill your time and you still manage to fill your time with giving back to others. You've talked several times in this conversation about mentees and about going to Seton Hall and giving back to the students that are currently at Seton Hall. Why? Why is that important? And when you're tired at the end of the day and you're like, oh my gosh, I can't, I cannot do a single thing more. How do you still manage to do more? Of course. I don't think you could ever be too busy to add things in your life that really kind of keep you going from, um, you know, a mission-based perspective. And I think that one of my biggest missions personally is just being able to continue to um, prioritize representation. Representation matters so much. And, you know, growing up seeing um, Black women like me um, just in spaces that, you know, we should be in and, and should take up as much space as possible in um, really impacted how I saw the world. And so I want to continue to, uh, you know, represent in all the buckets that I can, all the categories that I can represent in, and then hopefully just be able to be a resource to somebody who might really need it. I think it actually makes such a, a huge difference. And that's why I will always uh, kind of prioritize empowering the youth and, and giving back to the youth. That's beautiful. And it really does align with the Seton Hall kind of way, right? Every time I speak to an alum, without even having to prompt them, we end up talking about servant leadership, which is what you're touching upon right now. Uh, mm -hmm. and, and I love that you embody that spirit as well. So if you could say an, an offer to our young pirates, one piece of advice, what would it be? Oh, that's a great question. I, I think my one piece of advice would be to continue to network. Um, and more specifically, um, continue to have conversations and ask the questions that you want to ask by envisioning what you see for yourself. So I would say that if you are, for example, a senior and you have interest um, in working in certain spaces or you kind of want to know how to get to where somebody else is, then you should definitely set up a time to do an informational with that person, try to get on their calendar, try to attend an event um, that maybe they're speaking at, and try to almost live as if you're already in that position. Um, ask the questions, walk the walk, and just be confident in the fact that you too can have that. I love that. Tiffany, thank you so much for joining today's episode. It has been a pleasure talking to you. And I think I, I'm going to try to keep calling you because I can talk to yes. you on, on an ongoing basis. I love, I love you. better mean you. that, Bianca. I do. I actually do, Tiffany. Yes. Okay, great. We will be in touch. That sounds wonderful. And thank you so much for having me again. This was so much fun. Absolutely. I, I love your insight and I love your passion. So thank you. And thank you for you know, just being one of our proud pirates. Anytime. And I'll see you at a game soon, hopefully. Oh, yeah. 
Tiffany is one of more than 100,000 alumni who demonstrate what great minds can do with a Seton Hall education. Remember to stay up to date with all of Seton Hall's alumni engagement opportunities and to view recordings of past virtual events that you may have missed, visit www.shu.edu slash hall hub. Share the news of this podcast with your friends. Be sure to follow us on social media at Seton Hall alumni. And of course, if you know of a pirate we should have our eye on, do not hesitate to email us at alumni at shu.edu. Thanks for listening. And I hope you'll join me for the next episode of the Seton Hall Pirate's Eye Podcast. <laughs>